Emotionally healthy spirituality means that we have health at the deepest parts of ourselves. It means going where we often avoid. It means letting God go to those areas of our hearts that we try to run from, that we often keep from Him. One of the areas that we keep God from, that area of our life, is loss and grief. We oftentimes, when we go through those type things, we don't really know how to bring God to those moments and seasons of loss and grief in our life. Here's why this portion of the steps towards emotionally healthy spirituality, here's why this step of going deeper to get the gospel to do in your life what it was always meant to do, here's why it's important. For most of us, when I said the word loss or grief, you immediately think about the loss of a person, death of a loved one. And that absolutely is grief, and that absolutely is a loss in our lives. But the reduction of loss and grief in our lives just to people that have come in and out of our lives is part of the problem with our spirituality. We don't consider the, all these other types of losses that really deeply and profoundly affect us on the inside. We typically reduce it just to the loss of a person. We don't think about job loss. That's a big loss. We don't think about maybe the loss of a certain season in life. Maybe when you're single and then you get married, that's actually a loss that happened there. I've had, you know, guys I mentor and disciple, and whenever they talk, start talking to me about getting married or wherever that's happening, I, I kind of talk to them about, hey, just remember, before you get married, a few weeks ahead of time, we need to have a chat about grief. And they're like, what are you talking about? Getting married is like the happiest thing in the world. I'm like, it's awesome. Yeah, totally. But you're going to be going through a loss as well, and there's some things underneath the surface that you do when you're going through a loss and some pain, and I want to help you through that loss. You're actually losing your singleness, and that's going to affect your marriage. Interesting. All kinds of seasons of loss. Um, for those of you that maybe moved different places, you've lost, you know, home, this home you grew up in, this place of comfort, this place of love, this place of all happiness, and that's gone. Uh, you lost a city or your things that, are, that you have uh, that's just common for you. Those things are gone, and you go into a new place, and there's all this stuff going on in your heart underneath the surface. That's a loss going on. There's pain going on. And I think as a church overall, not just here, but as a church, as the body of Christ, we do a really terrible job of figuring out how this all works together, what God's doing, how to grow and how to move on from those things. And oftentimes it will hurt us to the point where we wreck people around us. Let's read together, and as we talk about this next step, embrace grieving and loss in your life. Let's read uh, from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. That's what the writer says. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. I'll interject here. Isn't it interesting? There's a time for everything, but you, but you and I make no time for, we always feel like we have no time for anything. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep. A time to laugh. A time to mourn. And a time to dance. 
A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time uh, to keep, a time to keep and a time to throw away. Verse 7, a time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. But we have a challenge with this. If you're like me, we do not make time for the things that need some time. We typically will try to keep a constant going on. We try to say, I've got this going on. It's going great. Let me do everything I can to keep it like this. And when it changes, we get frustrated or angry. We don't make the understand there's times for things and seasons in our lives. We don't want to embrace that stopping point. We don't want to embrace pauses. I'm such an impatient person. I don't embrace pauses. I don't want to embrace these things. And without recognizing that we are hurting ourselves, we don't recognize there's a time for everything. And again, this is maybe just me. I always say, I don't have time for anything. Hmm. That deeply, really just hurts myself and um, uh, those around me. Here's the truth about loss for us, okay? Two things I think. I ask myself, well, what do you really need to know about this thing about loss, okay? There's two things you have got to know about loss, okay? First is that it is normal, common, expected, okay? See, this is a truth that's kind of hard to swallow, we don't like talking about when we hurt with a loss. You don't want to admit that you hurt this person broke up with you. You don't want to admit that you hate the fact that you don't have this one job anymore. You don't want to admit, even if it is a loved one, this person, how that amount in your life deeply hurts me, right? We don't want to talk about those things. We don't want to admit those things. But it's actually normal. If you'll think about your life, even at this point, okay, I don't care how old you are right now in this room, you can make a list of the losses and changes in your life. Some of you growing up have had multiple childhood homes, okay? I didn't really have one that I call home, right? Maybe you did, and then when you left that, you've had multiple people come in and out of your life, okay? Think of it like a car, and you're driving down the road, and you turn, and now you go in a different direction. Now the sun's shining in a different way. Then you can turn another direction, right? People get into your car. People get out of your car. If we have a whole history of your car, there's all kinds of stories and changes in that car. Your life is the same way. There's all kinds of people in and things in and that you've been structured around and a norm around, and then it's gone. This is actually normal, common life. And yet when that loss happens, we don't know what to do with that peace. We recognize that there's a hole that is left there. Uh, Josh and Jill, both of you going going to school in a, here in a few days. Um, uh, when I was in student ministries, when I was in college, uh, we would kind of call, call the month of October the fallout month. Because we recognized from a, being a senior leader there, we recognized that that month, October, was the hardest month that these students were facing homesickness. It wasn't that the uh, grades were too hard. It wasn't that they didn't have enough money. It wasn't the grass wasn't green enough or whatever it was. They actually were just homesick. And the pain of not having home was too great, so it, they had to make a change. They couldn't make it work. I almost feel bad for saying that word sickness. We talk, call it homesickness, but these students weren't sick. They just hurt. We say pain is a sickness. Listen, they just hurt it. They just have Hurt. They just had pain. They weren't sick. They were just hurting and didn't know what to do with all that. This is what we often do in our lives when we can't handle the changes, when we can't handle the holes. And here's the second thing you've got to grasp is that, guys, loss is painful. We want to say that it doesn't bother us. 
we don't even take the time to look beneath the surface to see how it did affect us, right? We, we just press on. We just move forward. We just get busy. We just fill up that time with Netflix and whatever else to just kind of keep us going instead of saying, wait a second, maybe, just maybe, this had an effect on me. Loss is painful. That's the truth. You know the story of when Jesus is, they call Jesus over to raise Lazarus. First he's sick and he seemingly takes his time and so then Lazarus dies. And so he comes to the scene and Lazarus is already dead and Mary and Martha, Martha's sisters are there and they're sad and this whole thing is going on and other people are there to comfort Mary and Martha. And so Jesus is here and he starts talking and he looks at all them weeping and you know what he does? He's, he weeps in that moment. He cries. Now, why would Jesus cry if he knew in just a few seconds he's going to raise him back to the dead? Well, one of the things that's going on in that passage is that Jesus, fully man, fully God, fully man, human Jesus, right, is connecting with the hurt and the pain of the other humans around. His weeping is a connection of almost feeling the pain and the sorrow of a sibling losing their sibling. I mean, this was empathy at its fullest. Jesus cries not because he wasn't the resurrection, the life. He cries because loss is painful. And these people that loved Lazarus, that had him in the car for a long time, and he's not there anymore, and they don't know what to do with it, and there's sorrow, and there's weeping, and Jesus joins in that. We often will reduce the whole thing, what would Jesus do to how he would love or what he would do, what SUV he would drive, remember that a few years ago, whatever it is. You know, sometimes what Jesus would do would cry. What, what Jesus would do is he'd connect on this painful level. What Jesus would do is express that loss is painful, but typically we want to be strong, and we will take away the pain and the tears. I don't want to go and cry, right? I'm supposed to be like encouraging people and helping people, and Jesus comes in with all his humanity. I would almost even say in that moment, maybe more human than some of you in this room, okay? And he weeps with them and cries. Loss is painful. Here's what happens, you know, when we have this hurt and this pain in our life and it goes unchecked. So uh, there's some kind of loss that happens. There's pain, there's ugliness, things going on underneath us. And it goes unchecked. It'll eventually turn into an issue where we may try to cope in some weird ways. Coping then oftentimes will maybe turn into some kind of addiction and Oftentimes, addiction turns into an identity. And that's why in that passage that Josh read, Jesus works on identity. Because you may have done something for so long in your life that this is my norm. My avoiding this or my running from this, it's just norm. I wouldn't even know. It would be foreign for me to not do that. It becomes a part of my identity, even who I am. And this is the power of the gospel at the deepest of parts of your heart. He wants to come in there and even change your norm for your identity of how you've dealt with the normal, common, expected, and often lost in your life. If you sit down and talk to people that are a little older, I won't give you an age so you don't feel old, but you hear their story and loss, 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 and loss. I've been in sales, I've been in ministry, it's the same. 
whether you're in the church, outside the church, follow Jesus or not, lost, lost. There have been times I hear a story at my desk at work, and years ago, I'm just like in tears thinking about whatever just happened, the loss that happened, whether it was a divorce or loss of a child or loss of a job. Boy, someone come to the bank, and they just lost their job, and they just know, man, I, this is awful. These, these moments, this is over and over and over, and you think, start thinking about it, and that life is actually painful, and there's much there, and Jesus wants to work on our pain and how we don't process loss very well. I'll tell you part of my story, and then I'll give you a few things to kind of move forward. So I remember when I graduated from high school, and I um, remember, uh, not high school, sorry, when I graduated from college, and I remember I decided I felt like God wanted me to uh, go into seminary and get a master's degree, and so I remember leaving Texas and going to Missouri, and I remember that first year I was there, I just didn't like it. I remember during that time that I was always frustrated, I was angry, I was irritable, I just remember always, uh, you know, just being angry and upset, and I didn't understand what was going on. I thought it was because I wasn't just getting my way, right? A year goes on, and this kind of thing continues, goes on and on, and then I start realizing that, oh, my moments of frustration was because I not only missed home, it wasn't really home that I missed, but I just missed my norm. I missed being able to know where to go in the grocery store to get what I needed. I missed knowing if I wanted Mexican food to go where to get Mexican food. This is not a great place for Mexican food. This is my place I normally go to. Now I'm in a place where none of that's there. I remember my norm of people knowing my name. It's nice that people know your name. I have a weird name, so it's nice when people know it, right? Instead of having to say your name over and over and over again and people butcher it or whatever, right? This goes on and on and on and I start realizing I'm not handling this change really well. And at that time, I would not use the word loss. I wouldn't say that. I didn't lose anything I'm talking about. And I wouldn't even want to admit how it affected me. So I remember after that two-year period, and I went back home to Texas. I was like, oh, man, I'm finally home. And then I remember during that season praying and asking God, what do you want me to do in ministry? And and at that point, God opened up a door to come to Oregon. And I'm like, really? (laughs) I did really well change a little while ago. I'm going to do this again. And I remember coming to Oregon and realizing, okay, I know a little bit better of what this change is going to be. And I still wouldn't admit that I lost something for years. I'm talking about a person. I'm just talking about I lost my norm. I lost the place where I felt comfortable. I lost where people knew my name. I lost where, you know, I was whatever, this and that, and people knew me. And so then I'm here in Oregon, and this goes on. And then I, one day, and I've turned this over before, walked into the church I was working at part-time, and this book was sent to every church, and I like to read. <clears throat> and, you know, I asked this person working there, hey, is, what's this about? I said, well, you know, this was sent to every single church. I was like, well, is this anybody's? I'll read it. You know, so I picked it up, and it changed my life. I never heard somebody say that loss is more and different than just losing somebody. And it's like in that moment, I read this book in tears, by the way, and I read this book and I realized, oh, I had lost something, but I had never grieved it. There was a hole in my life, I had lost it, but I never grieved it. I never admitted the pain, I never figured out some things that I needed to say goodbye to and let go and embrace the new, see. And as you consider the loss in your life, you may not have properly grieved that loss. And so a part of our spirituality here is to embrace that loss as normal and embrace that grief in my life, excuse me, the grief in my life also is normal, okay. Here's what happens. Here's the truth about loss when we don't grieve. 
If you never grieve your losses and that pain that's associated with it and in your own pain, you won't be able to empathize with the losses and grief of others. See, if you never grieve your losses, your pain, that struggle, you can't empathize the pains and losses of others. That's interesting. Um, by this time before I got married, I kind of got this health and got this, some of this information. And I remember grieving, leaving Portland. This is back in 2010, and moved to Chicago to get married. I knew I'd be there. I figured I'd be there forever. But um, I remember after going, knowing this stuff, I wasn't going to do that whole Texas to Missouri thing again. I wasn't going through that again. So I grieved. So I went to some of my favorite spots. I went to my favorite coffee spots. I just sat there, and I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you. I drove by the job that I literally hated. It wasn't the church, don't worry. <laughs> I would drive by, I worked part-time. I drove back by there, sat in the park, and I said, thank you, Jesus, for thinking this thing is gone. <laughs> you know? I went to see some people that love me. I went and just hung out with some people that maybe don't love me. I just embraced this season, experienced it. In those moments, there were some tears. I actually did tear up when I was uh, at my old job. That I'd, I'd driven by there, and I teared up thinking about the pain of that process, but that God was with me. Okay? I went to the old places I used to live and awkwardly sat in the parking lot or the, or, or the, or, uh, the driveway. Or, you know, I'm thinking, this could be weird that I'm sitting here, it's not my house, but i got to do this. I would go alone and journal some things of how I'm feeling and what I liked. And so this grieving process, and then I said goodbye to it. And then I got to Chicago, and that was time to say hello. I actually grieved that process. Okay? If you never grieve your losses, you won't be able to embrace your new reality. And this is a big one. I want you to think about the story of the children of Israel, right? Uh, God delivers them in a miraculous way from Egypt. I'm talking like signs and wonders. It's incredible stuff. If you and I, you know you've read these scriptures and you're like judging them. You're like, man, if I was there, you know what? I would love God forever. I would never doubt him. I would never do, oh, man, if you see the, uh, the Red Sea parted, if you see all those things, fire come down, if you see all this stuff, man, I would never turn. But the reality is, is for these people that were delivered out of Egypt, as soon as they left and things got a little rocky and they got hungry, Literally like a, a few weeks later, okay, what do they want to do? They got angry at their deliverer, God, and they wanted to go back to slavery. That, folks, is human nature right there. That, folks, is the power of pain in our lives. It will cause us to trade freedom, love, and life for just what we miss, even if it was temporary. That is the point of this right here. You will not have the heart space to embrace your new reality and the new life that you have unless you let go of the old. It already is gone, but we hold on to it, okay? The reality of this powerful truth, it's really affected me to where I was finally at the point in my life when I went to Chicago and get married. I, I was ready for it. I had space in my heart, okay? There was space in my life to embrace this new reality, okay? Um, I oftentimes will hear, you know, some guys talk about when they get married and have kids or whatever, and they get irritated and frustrated because they can't hang out with their buddies. Not to knock on the guys, but they can't hang out with their buddies. They can't do all these different things. And I just kind of like want to shake them and say, you do get that those days are gone, right? I mean, like, you, you get that, right? 
Like, those are gone, but we're still wanting to go back into Egypt, Egypt, right? And so we miss out on what the new blessing and the new life and the new joy that God wants to give us right now through this new thing of marriage, maybe having a family, and what that could be. We don't even have any heart space for that because we're still in Egypt. That happens for jobs. We're so grumbling about the previous job and your glory days and how great it was, how much money you made and how they did this and that and that. And this new job, you can't even experience the new thing that God wants to do. You can't understand it because there's no heart space for you because you're still in Egypt. Okay, well, what does that look like? A few things, a few steps here as you kind of make a new norm. And these things that I'm going to list out, some are from the book, some are my own thing. These are my new norms. I'm just going to put it all there in case somebody else want to write that down. These are my new norms to grieve well, to embrace loss in my life, and to invite God into that. First of all is I pay attention. I pay attention to whenever there's a change, there's a loss of something, something taking out of my life, my choice or not my choice, whatever you want to call it. I pay attention to the feelings underneath there. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's frustration. Maybe I'm irritable about something. Just pay attention to that because it's a signal of something going on in your life. Okay, so pay attention to that. Take the time. I just read about time. There's a time for everything, but we don't make the time for this. I'm, I'm telling you, we often don't want to make time for grieving, right? We want to get to the next thing. We want to fast forward. But you got to make some time. Before you start that new job, take a few weeks off, right? Before you sign on the dotted line to have a kid, I tell young, uh, young couples to stay up till 2 a.m. and just do it. <laughs> let that so you can let it go. You know what I mean? Go out and talk about life, what it was like to be able to do whatever you wanted to do. Just talk about that, right? Enjoy that for a second because that's all going to go out the window, right? You wait in the confusion. I wish I could tell you this is black and white, easy, you know, but for me it was long, drawn-out seasons of waiting in this confusion. And what I mean by confusion is when you can't fix it. The things that confuse us are the things that we can't fix, isn't it? You wait in that confusion. You wait in that, I can't fix this. You wait in that, I need God. I need your help. You wait in that, and you'll be introduced to a new God you never met. You celebrate the good and curse the bad. What I mean by that is um, you just remember, just you thank God for those moments. Man, I thank God for some of my single days. I could literally pick up and move to Oregon. I had two suitcases. I rode the max of where I was living. I had two suitcases. That's all I had. You know, now I can't do that. I have all kinds of stuff. Two suitcases. Thank you, God. <laughs> right? But then I also kind of curse the bad. I don't, what I mean by that is you recognize that there's some bad things that are going that I also kind of gone. I don't feel that much lonely, right? Or you don't, you have a place to be and a place to do and a place to come home to. And You know, you start recognizing there's some bad things too. It's kind of nice not to have. If the children of Israel did that, they'd recognize, yeah, it's kind of a bad thing to be in chains. And it's nice not to have that anymore. But they didn't do that. Oh, they just got hungry and they wanted to go back to their norm and their old reality, okay? And then you say goodbye. I mean, I literally have said goodbye to empty rooms, like verbally. I've written, I have a prayer journal I keep, and I've written this out, goodbye, meaning telling myself, dude, this is gone, okay? I remember doing this before we had our first child, just in my, in my, own, my own way. God, thank you for this. It's, it's, these certain things are now gone, and I'm okay with it, Okay? You also say hello. This is so, so important. What I mean by that is I just say hello to this new world that God's given. I say hello, meaning I'm ready for this. Hello. Hello. Those of you, Josh and Jill going on to college, I mean, there's all kinds of new bears. 
you don't know this, you don't know that, but still, you just say, hey, I'm ready for this. I'm going to let this thing go, but my, hopefully our, your time here at the church wasn't Egypt, but anyway, you know, you say, <laughs> let it go, and you say, hello, new. So that's exactly what I did. I made new friends, right? I tried new things. I, when I moved to Oregon, I had tried all kinds of new things. I'm like, whoa, you guys recycle? That's new, okay? New things. Oh, you guys all drink coffee here? I don't drink coffee. New things. Start drinking coffee. Now I'm addicted. It's awesome. New things. I just say hello. Oh, you guys uh, do this. Okay, well, new thing. Just some new, new. I'm saying hello. Let me just close by saying just two more things, and we're going to pray. Um, Kenny, you can go ahead and come on back. If I could leave you with something tonight, it's going to be kind of hopeful. Spiritually and emotionally healthy people embrace grief and loss and experience God. Grieving positions you to rely on God. When you grieve the loss of what could have been, you will discover God's sufficiency in what is now. Let me say that again. When you grieve the loss of what could have been, you discover God's sufficiency in what is you'll know the very sufficient God that he wants to be in your life. You'll find someone that's there for you. You'll find someone that will heal you. You'll find someone that will encourage you. You will find a God full of grace in your darkest, most painful moments in your life. This is what God wants to do in your life. All these things that happen in our life, the constant loss, the pain, the sorrow, the joys, the happiness, the victories, the wins, all these things that make up a life on this earth, they are all about positioning you for God. So we celebrate in pain sometimes and suffering like Paul writes. We, we, we can take that angle of it because we realize that God is doing something incredibly huge in all this. And being positioned to rely on God's grace is absolutely what I need for my life. I think I need more money, or I think I need this person out of my life, or, or I think I need this to change. And we don't get that he is sufficient for me. I need more money. That would feel good. And we don't get that our deepest parts of our life, we don't need more things. We don't need to be happy, actually. We just need a gracious God. 